they said if at any point between now and the 45 day mark I fall below performance of these tasks it will result in disciplinary action including separation from the company. So that weekend I came up with a game plan. This upcoming week I was going to submit my resignation letter. I was basically going to tell this manager to take his pit plan and shove it up his ass. Hey friend, thanks for tuning in to part two of my story of why I quit my job. Just to recap for my last episode, which was part one, I had a very rocky year and a half with my manager who was abusive and manipulative. He didn't teach me well, he gave me very vague directions, and then he turned around and belittled me and my work, overwhelmed me with tasks that I basically had to figure out myself, he criticized me for asking too many questions and taking too long to learn. He said I didn't do enough of my job role. He micromanaged me and he criticized me for not being super talkative at meetings. Prior to this position, I never had an issue with the manager. I started feeling dread and anxiety every single day that I went into work. And little did I know that these were the signs of fear and stress associated with workplace abuse. When this manager went on leave, I started working more closely and directly with the associate director, who on the other hand thought my work was great and always had great feedback for me. When I told my relatives what was going on with this abusive manager, they said I should try and stick it out for at least two years so that when I applied for a mortgage, they would look at me favorably for being in a stable position for at least two years which did not sit right with me because it seemed like they cared more about me being a homeowner, which is not a super important goal for me right now, than my own mental well-being at this job. Throughout this time, I worked on my business and saw some very successful months. This helped me feel more hopeful of quitting one day, but I still felt like I needed more time to see where things went in 2023. So 2023 finally comes and my store makes a lot of money in January and February. And on top of that, I also got a big tax return check. In addition, I was also supposed to be getting a bonus check from this job. So I was meeting with this manager to discuss the bonus. And little did I know that this meeting would alter everything. So let's talk about that meeting. So the associate director gives me a heads up that I was going to meet with my manager to discuss the bonus. And like I told you before, I didn't like having meetings with him because they were just sessions where he humiliated me and took apart everything I did. But hey, this meeting was for a bonus check, so I was just anxious to get it over with. So we sit down and he starts talking about my bonus compensation. And as he's talking, the director of HR walks in. It was funny because that very same morning, we arrived on site around the same time, but I reached the door first and I held the door open for her and we had a short, pleasant interaction. So she sits down and tells me her goal of being here is to be a mediator for this discussion. I said, okay, I didn't really know what was going on. Then my manager says that my bonus will still be rewarded, but that it would be lower because of my poor performance. It was basically a repeat of everything that he said during my mid-year review that I ask too many questions, that I take too long to learn the process, that I'm a burden on my coworkers, that I don't say enough at meetings, 
and that I'm not performing like somebody should be at my level. In my head, I was laughing because I don't know where this sudden poor performance was coming from, especially because I just had an end of year review that was positive, thanks to the associate director putting in a good word for me and saying that he was really pleased with my work. So where was all of this coming from? So that piece of paper that they handed me, the one that I said changed everything, it was a performance improvement plan or a PIP plan. What I learned later after this meeting is that they basically put you on this when they want to fire you without having justifiable cause to fire you. It's to save their ass from a lawsuit if an employee tries to sue them for firing them unjustly, which is interesting because the issues this guy had with me were not issues anyone else, including the associate director, who's above him, had with me. This was just another tactic to further control, humiliate, and manipulate me. I was just an easy target for his control and power needs. He needed to feel more powerful than me, and that's all this was. But don't worry, because soon he was about to find out that I had all the power in this situation. And the whole time they were talking, I was so mentally checked out. Their voices kind of sounded far away and it almost felt like I was dreaming weird enough. So while this guy was listing everything that I was doing wrong, that in the eyes of the associate director I was doing right, the HR lady would at times interrupt to ask me questions like, why don't I say things at meetings? And how do I learn best? I just told her that there's not always something to say at meetings and that I wasn't the only one who was quiet in meetings and that I learned visually and by doing. And throughout this meeting, I could so clearly see the manipulation that was happening. It was giving good cop, bad cop. So let's take a look at how the good cop, bad cop tactic works. The good cop, bad cop technique is a negotiation tactic where two individuals working as a team take on contrasting roles in order to gain some advantage over their counterpart. The good cop is friendly while the bad cop is hostile. Emphasis on working as a team to take on contrasting roles in order to gain advantage over their counterpart, the counterpart being me. So these two wanted to gain an advantage over me. This is a power game that they were playing. This HR lady was acting as the good cop and this manager was acting as, of course, the hostile bad cop. And through this tactic, they were trying to get me to submit to their will, to force me into proving that I deserve to keep my job, and I don't stand for that bullshit. From the naive perspective of someone who doesn't know anything about psychology and about how these manipulative strategies work in corporate America, it might seem like they were genuinely concerned about me and trying to find out what was wrong and what was going on. No, they were not. First of all, they had already made their decision to put me on a pit plan. Trying to understand my point of view at this stage, a year and a half later, was never going to change their decision. Second of all, if they really cared to make things work with me or understand how I work and think, they would have asked me these stupid ass questions much, much earlier in my employment, okay? So I can clearly see through this bullshit. So this pit plan was basically a list of things I needed to change, which included performing tasks outside of my job role and interacting more in meetings. I would have to meet weekly with this manager to discuss my performance throughout this time. They said I have 45 days to work on and change myself 
and if after 45 days my performance falls again, it will result in disciplinary action, including separation from the company. And if at any point between now and the 45-day mark, I fall below performance of these tasks, it will result in disciplinary action, including separation from the company. So the HR lady, aka a good cop, says, we know you can do it, and we gave you this partial bonus to motivate you. At this point, I'm dying of laughter in my head because first of all, I'm sorry, but no, I'm not going to perform tasks outside of my job role unless I'm being paid more, period. Second of all, you can't dangle money or a job over my head. I'm an entrepreneur and I can make money on my own without you. It's really important to note where my mindset was at. If you're working a nine to five with the goal of quitting, you need to be telling yourself that you make money on your own without that employer, even if you're not, because subconsciously you'll be taking the actions to lead you to not depending on them. Telling myself this for the last year and a half and constantly taking action is what led to the fruitful, profitable months that I just had in my business. One day your dream will come true. You will be a full-time business owner, but you need to start seeing yourself there and behaving as though you've already made it to facilitate the process of getting there. Having this mindset of not needing an employer makes you far more powerful than these non-managers because you'll have the courage to walk away when bullshit like this happens. So she leaves and my manager asks if I have questions about the plan. I just confirm that we are meeting weekly about performance. He says yes and that I can meet more than once a week if I wanted to. After that I said okay and that was the end of the meeting. They had me sign the pit form basically saying that I understood everything that was written whether I agreed to it or not. So now I was faced with the reality that I have to look at this abuser in his ugly crooked face every week so that he could judge me on my performance and on if I deserve that job. I very much understood what this meeting was supposed to make me feel, like I was subordinate and powerless in the situation. So let's talk about my initial emotions after this meeting. I was very numb at that point. Keep in mind that I've been going through all of this abuse for the last year and a half. When I got back home, I think I went into a state of shock because I completely lost my appetite. I barely ate anything over the next couple of days. I lost sleep. I tossed and turned at night and I broke out in hives on my arms and my hands that didn't go away for weeks. And I learned later that stress and anxiety can cause you to break out in hives like I did. I had promised myself about a year ago that this would be my last job, that when I left this position, it would be to pursue self-employment. And I didn't intend to look for any other employment after this. So what I did feel after I realized that I had to leave was scarcity. I feared the loss of my steady income. Yes, I always talk about getting out of that scarcity mindset and getting into a mindset of financial abundance, but shit had just gotten real and that scarcity mindset started to come right back, even though I've been practicing the mindset of abundance for years now. Then I remembered that I had already told myself that I didn't need their income. I had a business. When I tried going to sleep that night, I heard voices in my head 
cheering me on to quit. I had to find the courage to feel the fear and quit anyway. This whole situation felt like the universe was pushing me toward my goal. The timing of this felt very divine. This happened right after I had a very successful month, but I knew that I wouldn't see a big month like that again until the summer. That's why it's so important to be saying those mantras daily because those negative thoughts and fears are going to pop up in your head sometimes when situations like this happen. Speaking your desires out loud so often that you start to believe it and feel yourself already achieved your dreams is resistance against those negative thoughts. So the next day I thought about my business. I knew my high volume months. January and February did really well. I sold out of all of my products, but I was limited by my own productivity. They were selling out faster than I could make them. I knew that if I could scale up and make more, and sell out of that, I could easily make at least five or even six figures in a single month. So a few weeks before this happened, I came up with a plan to scale my craft kits, which I currently make by hand, by outsourcing the production in China from the same company that I bought my raw materials from. And I had about $10,000 to invest thanks to my business profits and my tax return. I was actually about to place an order with a manufacturer before all of this happened. I knew that my next big sale seasons would be in May and June for Mother and Father's Day. If I still did not make enough money in May or June, after looking at my savings account, I determined that I would have enough funds to last me until December. So I had until the end of the year to figure my shit out. In episode 32, where I talked about how I got this job in the first place, I didn't mention the importance of having a higher paying job so that you can save more. I'm really thankful that I was able to climb up the corporate ladder, even if it led to this abusive situation, because I had enough disposable income to save tens of thousands of dollars in my high yield savings account where to cruise interest. I read somewhere on Twitter somebody saying it was impossible to save when you're poor and she's absolutely right. How can you possibly save money when you barely have enough to feed yourself? I've literally been there. 2018 to 2020, I was living paycheck to paycheck, hand to mouth. I had a low paying job and the only way to raise my salary was to job hop, like I described in episode 32, to more than double my salary. So after looking at my numbers, and determining that if I greatly reduce my spending and live on only half of what I earned from this job, and even if I didn't get any other income until the end of the year, I would still be able to pay my expenses until then. And my instincts were louder than ever telling me to quit. This manager could no longer control or even fire me if I have the power and the ability to walk away first. They need me more than I need them. After all, when I accepted that position, I had several other offers. It's not like I was begging them for this job. So that indeed puts me in the more powerful position. The voices in my head were telling me to do it, but I was still very unsure and I still had a lot of negative thoughts and doubts. And I didn't sleep or eat very well for the next few days. So that weekend, I visited my boyfriend, and little did I know that it was just the distraction I needed because all of those thoughts about quitting, both positive and negative, completely disappeared once I was there. I didn't tell him or anyone what had happened or what my plans were yet, but it felt so good to not think about it. I just felt at ease being in someone else's presence rather than being alone with my racing thoughts. This is why having a community is important. Whether that's friends, family, loved ones, 
You have to be around people you love and who love you during difficult times like this. You do not, and I repeat, you do not need a significant other or a spouse to get through difficult times like this, but you do need a community. My boyfriend lives closer to me than my family does, but if I was single like I was at this time last year, then I would have been going to my family's place instead and I would have gotten that same feeling of ease and welcome distraction. So we started talking about my birthday coming up and I actually had planned to take a trip outside of the country, but after crunching my numbers, now I needed about $10,000 to invest in my business. So I knew I probably would not be able to do an expensive trip this year, but I could still do something fun more locally. I realized that now I was looking at my expenses differently like an entrepreneur, and I was actually prioritizing properly. I crunched some more numbers that weekend and realized that if I were to invest in manufacturing 5,000 craft kits and I sold out of all of them, I would make $100,000 and enough profits to feed me for just about another year and reinvest into 5,000 more craft kits and keep the business going. I started to convince myself that this scale-up plan would work but I had to make the $10,000 investment and reduce my expenses a lot. Throughout this time, my brain still tried to switch back to scarcity. $10,000 is a lot of money, especially now that I was thinking of quitting and I wouldn't have a steady income. I would only be able to replace that $10,000 investment if I sold out of my 5,000 products, which I did sell out of in January and February. And I also had to think about my situation in a different way. Instead of being plagued with the thought that I wasn't going to have a steady paycheck anymore, I had to focus on how much money I did have to continue surviving and ask myself, how can I keep surviving in perpetuity? So I already knew that I had enough funds to last me until December. So now the question was, how do I make enough money to survive in January? Once I figured out how to make enough for January, then I just had to worry about how I would survive in February and so on. So knowing that I was covered until December meant that I didn't have to worry at all until then. If I made more money before December, that just meant that I could survive until January. And how do I keep doing that so that I can survive in future months after January? Once I made my investment, selling these products on my store would bring in enough money to help me survive past December. So I started to have faith in the high demand of my craft kits and in my ability to sell out of 5,000. I felt more strongly than ever that the universe was pushing me in this direction and that the timing of this felt divine. I had about three months to put the scale-up plan into action and to start seeing the results in May. I became more and more confident that I could do it, but my courage to quit in the first place was the foundation. I realized after reading the book Rich Dad Poor Dad that when you have a job, you trade your freedom for the security of a paycheck. Entrepreneurs, on the other hand, would rather trade security for freedom. That's the mindset I had to shift into over this weekend I was away, that I would be getting more income and a big one, but not for a few months, and that I would have to invest $10,000 or it wouldn't happen because I wouldn't have enough products to sell to make that much. There was absolutely no way that I could make 5,000 craft kits by hand within three months. So this scale-up plan had to work. I thought about the book Think and Grow Rich and realized that I was becoming money conscious. I was done being a laborer for this manager and for this corporation. They could take their security. I would rather have my freedom 
even if my income would be less predictable. Not only would I not have to suffer the abuse at the job anymore, but I would accomplish the very goal that I've been working toward for years and years, to work on my schedule, to be my own boss, and to make money solely for my business. So that weekend, I came up with a game plan. This upcoming week, I was going to submit my resignation letter. I was basically gonna tell this manager to take his pit plan and shove it up his ass. Every time I thought about putting in my two weeks, my heart would flutter with excitement. I knew that this was the right move. It was finally going to happen for real. This is what I've always dreamed about, having the ability to walk away from this job I hated from an abusive manager who was trying to force me into something I'm not. I just didn't think it would happen so suddenly in this way. I thought that I would have at least another year to see how things went and how my numbers were. But the universe had other plans and was forcing me in this direction, and my full-time business dreams were about to come true, finally. I carried those positive feelings into the next week. And in the next episode, I'll tell you about the three weeks that led up to my very last day of being an employee, about how I reprogrammed my mindset for success in my business and found the courage within myself to walk away from my six-figure job and employment forever. I'll talk to you then, bye. Thanks for listening to the Freelance to Full-Time podcast. If you found this episode helpful, leave a like and a comment below if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening to the audio, take a screenshot and share your thoughts with me on my Instagram at Freelance to Full-Time. Also, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening. This helps my podcast rank higher and helps me reach more creatives with big goals and dreams just like you and me. I can't wait to talk to you next week. Until next time, friends, take care.